All right, this is Dr. Aaron Werner, and welcome to Independent Insights, where we share quick conversations on topics relevant to running efficient and profitable independent private practices, while also providing the best care for our patients. I want to thank Vision Source for sponsoring and supporting these podcasts. It's their mission to help independent optometrists to achieve their highest potential. Um, today, I had a really fun conversation with Kristen Warren. We, she led a book club recently on uh, the book was The Question Behind the Question. And so we reviewed the, uh, the key points in the book, some of the, the takeaways, some of the things they learned. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Uh, give us some feedback. Let us know what questions you have. Share the conversation. Give us a five-star review. Subscribe and look for us next time. Thank you. All right, Kristen, thanks for, for joining us. And uh, based upon your accent, you sound like you're uh, from down south. Uh, tell us a little <laughs> bit about yourself, where you're, uh, where you're from. Yes, so from Middle Tennessee, um, at Bedford Vision for Dr. Kathy Shanglin, and born and raised here, been here my whole life. Ah, oh, very cool. And how long have you been uh, at the practice you're at now? So this time, because I left and came back, um, almost four years. Okay. Well, what do you do at the practice? Now I am the practice manager. Nice. So, and you wear a couple of hats uh, because you also help to lead the uh, the staff arm of Vision Source. They call it the, the Vision Source Representative Program or the VSR Program. And, yes. Uh, and how, how big is your, uh, your, your group of staff that you engage with down there? So for my staff in the office, we have six full-time, two part-time, three doctors. Okay. And what about the, the VSR group? How many... Uh, you know, I think involved in that. I think there's anywhere from like twelve to twenty offices. Okay. Like, so very cool. And uh, and I asked that because as a as a doctor, um, I'm really good at taking credit for uh, for all the awesome things that uh, happen out of the office. But I know full well who who makes those awesome things happen, and uh, and that's our our teams. Uh, and love that uh, that that you not only lead the team that you have, but they. You know, help coordinate and help support um, and build that support network for all the the, uh, the vision source teams in your area. So that's pretty cool. So, and part of that, you um, you decided to hold the book club, which is why I wanted to uh, to invite you on. And, uh, uh, and the book club was national, right? You opened it up to to mm-hmm. people all over. Yes. Awesome. Yes. So uh, walk us through what uh, what book did you guys uh, look at? Uh, how did you set that up? And then let's get into some of the learnings and discussions that you got from the uh, book club. So the book club was an inspiration based on a book club that Dr. Mike Rothschild did. Um, it was more like ODs and I was the only office manager that participated, but this was actually one of the books that we did it was the question behind the question and it stuck. Um, so then I reached out to Tammy and said, hey, you know, I love being VSR, but sometimes we just need some um, networking for us because we run out of ideas or we need to brainstorm. So she's like, let's do it. She talked it up for us. And then we had several that just hopped in and participated. We Zoomed um, and we did it once a month for four weeks. So, so very cool. And so you read the, uh, uh, so, so once a month for, for, you know, four sessions and the, um, (laughs) the, uh, and the book was was the question behind the question or QBQ, and I love that book. The um, we'll put a link to uh, to the book in the show notes. Uh, John Miller is the author. Uh, but what what about this book resonated with you and said, "Hey, let's let's all talk about it." So most offices can relate in that 
after 2020 something happened with staffing um we it was a common thing whether it be our small vsr group that we had or across the nation that staffing was just the issue and um we try to as office managers as leaders we try to fix everyone else but ultimately we have to take a step back and look at what we're doing and what can we do to improve ourselves um because you can't improve the practice trying to change everyone else you got to start you know at the top with the doctors and with the staff yeah it reminds me of the uh, the michael jackson song about the man in the mirror right? <laughs> yes. start starting with yourself first so mm-hmm. cool so walk us through what are some of the 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 points that um the, the, the book made, and I, I, I agree, I love the book. Um, read it multiple times, actually listened to it. I prefer to listen in the car. But what are some of the points that the, the book made? And then what, how did you and the, and, uh, and, and the book club take those and apply them into private practice? So some of the points that it made was the first one most important is personal development, just taking the time to do something. We come into work, say nine to five, but it has to be more than that because when we're here we're putting out fires so you have to (laughs) be engaged and take that time for personal development now the very first opening story was about the restaurant and the server you know a guy come in he wanted a coke they didn't have coke he had pepsi well he told his manager hey go grab this guy coke it was a dollar so it talked about you know being willing to do things like that and you're not going to be willing if you've not taken the time to invest in yourself you're going to just be hanging on so that was one of the key things that we discussed what what does investing in yourself look like because i've heard that term before you know you need to invest in yourself but what what are, what are the, the practical steps so the practical steps are just going to like in my view are going to be to read or to listen um take time to evaluate what's going on and how can you better so sometimes you know that looks like trips um Mm -hmm. with your staff or sometimes that's just finding a book and reading a book and learning based on that cool learning and discussing absolutely so but doing something i don't think it has to be uh, in the the reason I asked the question is I don't think it has to be life altering. We're not going back to school to get an MBA, right? You just need right. to 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 look past the the little box that we put ourselves in. Because mm-hmm. in, in that story, and I love the story, it's easy to say, "No, I'm sorry, we have Pepsi." Um, mm-hmm. And as a Coke guy, I hate that answer. <laughs> right, because you know, as simple as that is, it may be that you have a post-op that comes in and your doctor's on vacation. So what are you gonna do because they're having trouble? So we want our staff to think of something to do instead of saying, I'm sorry, the doctor's not here. Well, we're set up to do a virtual exam. Mm -hmm. So let's see if we can Zoom our doctor. You know, think about not only, of course, there's all of these things that we can purchase um, and do, but what do you have in the practice that you can use, that you are just looking at every single day that you've not taken the time to realize what can you do. And I feel like when you invest in yourself and you start thinking that way, you use that in your practice. Oh, I love that. Uh, being creative, being in- inventive, and uh, just figuring out how to use the tools that, on hand. So cool, so investing in yourself, what was the, uh, the one of the next things that you guys learned? So asking the incorrect questions versus the correct questions. Um, as leaders, it is so easy to ask those incorrect questions because we're tired and we're spinning our wheels and we just want to say, 
why did you not do your job? Well, that's not the correct question. And it's easy to get stuck in that habit. Yep. So what are some examples of correct questions? So instead of asking someone, why can you not just do your job? Like <laughs> saying, hey, what kind of training do you think that we could do to help you in this area? Or I see that you're struggling. Um, how can I help you? It's using that how and not what did you do? It's how can I help you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I love that. And, and uh, after the first time reading this book, um, I, I in our office and, and even now with my kids and, and people I work with, I try to remember it and I see a much po- more positive response when I, I say, hey, look, here's the problem that I'm having, that I'm seeing. Right? So it's my problem, not theirs. I try to mm-hmm. own the problem and then ask for help. And it could even be a uh, uh, somebody coming in late. Look, I, I, I'm having a problem. I'm not having a full team here on time. Right? And, I, and I, I went back and looked and I've noticed that you're coming in late 80% of the time, sometimes by two minutes, sometimes by half an hour. You know, Help me understand the challenge. Help me understand how I can better help you and help me solve this problem uh, has, has given me more positive responses than what I really wanted to say was, come on, what's your problem? Get here. <laughs> right. Right. That's a daily battle. A daily battle. So um, do you think that that can apply to, to, to patients too? So asking the right questions with patients as well? Absolutely. Because, you know, when I watch the doctors interact with the patients, sometimes they just don't want to do what the doctor says. So if the doctor kind of helps them make it their idea, they're on board and it can help them better understand. Because we know we come in here every day and we know what's going on. We know that you need to properly take care of your eyes, your contacts, your glasses. But patients don't live that. They have no idea. So if we help them, it ultimately helps us. I like that. That's an interesting comment that they, we, we know they don't. And I think sometimes we forget, though, that they have a vote in how this all goes down. In fact, their yes. vote probably is stronger than our vote. And so help, helping them make it their idea. Yeah, because I, like I think kind of where those questions come in is we forget that our patients have a vote because our vote's the only one that matters at the time. Um, and we forget about that because it yeah. should be, we think, just as easy as do what we told you to do. <laughs> I wish it was. So, no. Yeah. Very cool. What else? So beating the rift, that was my favorite chapter um, because, you know, when you, if you played sports, that's why I love this book is big sports fan, love to play, love to coach. Um, and beating the ref is difficult. So the ref may be your doctor. It may be me for my staff. It may be our patients. Um, they, you got to beat the ref. You have to be your opponent, which we get, and you got to beat yourself. Where your opponent, that's so easy. Beating yourself, you're learning and growing. But the ref, you know how we all can feel about refs sometimes. Like they're not right. <laughs> yeah. But ultimately, removing yourself from that view. Um, even when I coach, I have a meeting with my parents, and I kind of use this same thing with the staff here. Is hey, we have to remember the ref has a different view. We're sitting in the stands, and the ref is on the floor. They can't see everything that we can see. So same thing with the patients, with the doctors, with practice managers. We are at an elevated view from our patients and from what's going on. We're not 
you know, boots on the ground sometimes. We're sitting at a desk trying to make those decisions. And we have to remember that everyone has a different view and everyone may see the same kind of thing that's going on, but view it in a different way. Mm -hmm. I I like that. And I think they, they all have a different perspective and not only perspective, but they all have uh, dare I say different priorities, right? The the coach mm-hmm. is looking for their team to win. Uh, parents uh, often are looking for their child to excel. Mm-hmm. Um, and the referee is making sure that, that the game is is being played appropriately. Um, it's all different priorities and uh, we hope they overlap. But, uh, but yeah, in the practice, the uh, there's lots of different reps based on referees based on different situations. Um, what strategies did they talk about on, on how to beat the ref? So you can't argue with them. That's the thing is <laughs> you can certainly try, um, but you have to um, just go with it. You know, it is what it, it is. It's their call. So when they make that call, you have to change you. You have to change your perspective, how you're looking at it and what you're going to do about it. Mm-hmm. So, which is not always as uh, as easy to do as, no. uh, as we'd like it to be. Um, no, I, I I get that. It's it's interesting from a practice owner standpoint. Um, I love input, but at some point we have to make a decision, and I'll get behind it. And right. uh, and one of the secrets that I try to tell my staff is that you know the the weight of that decision making is on me, which means if mm-hmm. it works, it's on me, and if it fails, it's on me. And so right. I, I I have to take that that weight. But what I really want is their input. Mm-hmm. But the input that I want is not the complaining input. It's the right. outside that box thinking. I, I I live for the day when I have staff that says, patient asked for a Coke, all we have is Pepsi, I'll be right back. Right, I'm gonna go right. buy that Pepsi. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's trying to develop those team members that can, can give us that input and I, I maybe even start controlling the ref, right? Or influencing right. the ref. Yes, and we have used this because that is something difficult, you know. Staff do look to me to make decisions, but ultimately, Dr. Shamlin, as the owner and as the doctor, she has to make those decisions. And sometimes we don't understand why. And we may give her input and her decision is based something different. She's also been in practice for 35 years. So a lot of times we find ourselves saying, oh, yeah, you're right. And I hate saying that, but I have to say it like five times a week. Okay, you're right again. But um, to get that kind of thinking from our staff has been difficult until as a staff, we actually got the question behind the question and the workbook to go with it. And it's really been eye opening for our staff. We've seen a huge like shift and turn in just the behavior in our staff. So what do you, uh, I mean, other than going through the, the book and the workbook and, and I know you, there, there's a lot there, but if you were going to summarize what was the driver behind the, the change you've seen in your staff and in your team, what do you think was, has made the most impact or why you've seen that shift? I think it's because everyone's on the same page. So the first couple of times when we did this in a staff meeting, there was maybe one or two that kind of said something. Mm -hmm. Um, And you could see some kind of disagreeing between the staff. But then all of a sudden you start to see the wheels turning and everybody just it started to click. And then everyone started with input and they saw it was okay to have different opinions. And then everyone just talked about it. So we've hit some pretty um, deep subjects, of course, financials and like, no, we can't always get new lines of frames and we can't always have the nicest cases. Um, but it's been open conversation. And I think it kind of relaxed everyone to see that it's a group effort 
and that it's okay if Dr. Shamlin makes a decision we don't like. There's a reason for it. And um, in the end, she ends up being right, unfortunately. <laughs> well, I need to learn from her then because I'm not always right. Um, uh, the, uh, <laughs> but I always have a reason why we, we made the decision, and I, I hope it's the right one. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's funny. It sounds like, uh, like communication. Um, and, and every problem we have in the office, I can always track back to a communication challenge. So mm-hmm. it's getting everybody on the same page and, and having that, uh, that communication um, is, is huge. Very cool. Yes. So, so beating the ref, what's next? So succeeding within the box, we kind of hit on that a little bit. Um, just what do you have that you can use? So when there's new things that always come out, so the life meters coming out with Mackie Health, but the Pharmanex hand scan we have, um, you know, those are huge um, dollar amount difference, but we're not even implementing what we have. So taking that, for example, just finding ways to implement it before taking something to our doctors or to support staff having the data to set it up. So just working inside the box. But then um, the next big point was I can only change me. We spend a lot of time trying to change each other, staff trying to change each other. Um, you know, if we got two techs and one's pulling more weight than the other and um only changing me has been big focus. That's tough. Let's let's pause there for a minute because as a manager and as a leader, you you can only change you, but you're also responsible for I don't want to say changing others, but you're responsible for helping them have a higher output, have a higher production or more quality output or production. So how do you as a leader help how do you change others uh, when when you can't force that change? Well, I'll tell you, there's a big difference in me today and me three years ago. Whenever I landed this role um, three years ago, I was changing everybody and it was not pretty. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just my response to it and trying to figure out what works for everyone, because I was very, I had an outline and we're going to do this and I'm going to do this every single person. And then just taking the time to learn each person and how they learn and how they speak, what's their love language, what's their um, motivators. So just it's individual, like everyone is different. Everyone learns differently. Um, and I would say reading a lot of books. <laughs> I, was, I was just going to ask you, what, what was the, the, the change between here and there? And uh, it's, it's amazing what books can bring to us. Uh-oh. So, so a lot of, lot of books. I love books. Um, and are you, are you a, a reading person or are you like a listening? Do you like audio books? Do you like I do books? not like audio. I like paper books. I feel like I can read it faster. I can highlight and make notes. Yeah, very cool. I'm always curious who, who likes what and why people like it. So, yeah. So uh, next on the list is hiring the right candidates. And I know that's like huge for everyone across the nation. Um, You know, people can interview so well. Um, They can just hit it out of the park and then they come in um, and maybe they prop their feet up and play their Nintendo Switch on their first day or um, get in and maybe a life story. Yeah, Uh, they might even get in and their first two weeks are great and then something switches. Um, 
that was something huge. Um, and just looking at some of the questions throughout this book, something that you can ask. So one thing that we kind of hit on here in the practice, and of course, we've changed our interviewing process many times thinking that could be it. Um, thinking it could be, you know, I blamed myself. Um, thinking, man, my skills must be horrible. So then we brought in Dr. Grissom to let him help us too. Um, but there are questions that you can certainly ask, um, put them in situations and see what they give you. Do they give you all of that positive talk or do they give you negative? So what did you like about your last job? If they give you three positive things, then you're headed the right direction. But if they give you three negative things and things that they just did not like about their job, then you know what you're kind of getting into. Yeah, I like that. But you have to watch for that victim thinking that's in the question behind the question. And you can pick up on that in a lot of the questions that you ask in your interviews. And an underlying theme that, uh, and I don't recall if they called it out specifically in the book or not, but I remember one of the underlying themes um, in the book was really that in, that empowerment, right? What, how do you use the tools that you have? How do you uh, uh, not be a victim to the referee, but how do you understand the rules of the game and the dynamics at play so that it, you have a positive outcome for yourself and then others? Um, so I, did you pick up on that when you guys were doing the book club? Just that, that self-empowering? Yes. Yeah. So. Cool. Awesome. What else? So one thing that's big, we do it here with our staff too, and we discussed it a lot in the book club was believe or leave. A lot of times in practices, we hold on to the wrong ones for too long. There's many reasons that we do that. <laughs> I mean, <Yes>. they're, <laughs> they're great in their 90 days. And then after that 90 days, something happens and no matter where we are, Tennessee is a right to work state, but even still you think of all those legal things. So you think I can't get rid of this person um, or maybe they'll be better. Maybe I can change them. So we forget the whole first half of the book and we're like, maybe I can change them. Um, and we hold on to them for far too long. Believe or leave is just something that we've kind of taken and just held on to tightly. If they're not in it um, and love it because optometry to me is something that you love. You just, you either love it or you don't. It's not a job that you're just here to get your paycheck. So if that is it, then it's not the right fit for our team. Um, we're looking for someone who loves it just as much as everyone else on the team does. Absolutely. And I think that's empowering to them too, because you don't, no, nobody wants to be in a spot that they don't love either. And uh, sometimes yeah. it, it, sometimes baby birds fly out of the nest on their own. Sometimes mama mm -hmm. bird has to has to give them a little bit of a nudge to to go find where they need to be. Yeah, and you know, sometimes people are way better off when they leave versus when they stick around. Oh, yeah. um, and we've seen some go to be nurses um, and do different things, go back to school, or maybe just find somewhere that they're just happy. Um, it's better for the whole team, and you can kind of feel that weight lift the moment that they walk out the door. For everybody, yep. Mm -hmm. For that, them and us. So. Yeah. Cool. These are great. What else do you got for us? So my um, last point is the executive staff. Um, it, the Just the role models that we set. So when we walk in the door, if we've had a crappy morning and we bring that in in the mornings, then that's going to set the tone for the rest of the staff. Um, we have to, back to, we can only control us. We have to come in and leave that at the door because whatever we're doing, um, maybe 
not saying it's not acceptable, but we're not addressing it, then that means we're letting it happen. Um, so we have to be straightforward, communicate, but always have that positive um, mindset when we walk in the door, no matter what happens, whether it is, you know, letting someone go or it's a difficult patient, we have to set the tone for our entire staff. And it all comes back to asking ourselves those right or correct questions um, and figuring out how to succeed within the box, how to beat the ref, everything. But we have to display that every single day. Yeah, that's not always easy to do. Sometimes it's uh, it's full character mode to uh, to put on a persona. But uh, I, I agree with you. I think it 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 starts at the head, starts at the top. Yes, it does. And you know, saying that you doctors um, have to deal with us. So I don't know how you, know, <laughs> you all do it because it's difficult. I couldn't imagine being in that position to where the doctor is seeing the patient, owning the practice. You just have to have that great support team underneath you. Um, but to have it all together, because, you know, it's like probably herding a bunch of cats every day with all of us running around. <laughs> and and we are one of the cats that we have to herd ourselves. It's because um, mm-hmm. we want we want to go in 20 different, at least I want to go in 20 different directions at once. So it's yeah. uh, uh, one of the best things that helped me. Uh, it's my personality. When I get to work, I just, I open the door and it's time to work. I get into work and work and work. And uh I asked my staff, you know, do we have any challenges in the office? I think things are great. And they all laughed and said, you don't come and say hi to anybody. You just come in and start working. You know, we need you to say hi. We need you to, uh, to come in. And so I now I have a little plaque when I, when I first walk in and I, it just says, go say hi. Um, but, uh, uh, but having the reminders, I think there's nothing wrong about, about that. I think it's having the reminders that, uh, you know, when, when we're having a bad day or if I'm not, you know, fulfilling my role of being that leader and being the positive, um, I've asked them to call me out, you know, pull me aside and, and just in a funny way and in whatever way they need, you know, hey, you know, I need rainbows and sunshine and I'm getting thunderstorms out of you right now, um, mm-hmm. which I may not like at that moment, but it's the reminder that I got to snap out um, because I'm going to expect the same from them and I'll tell them, hey, you're, you know, your demeanor looks off, go for a quick walk, come back with a smile. So I, I expect that back. And I think we can each help keep each other in check. I like that. Yes, I think that's the great thing about I've worked in other medical clinics, but in optometry, I feel like um, doctors and staff have that connection that they can do that, whether it's offering a piece of chocolate because, you know, an all woman practice. We have one male, Dr. Grissom. Um, our thing is handing people some chocolate sometime. It's like, hey. <laughs> chocolate chocolate fixes a lot. Coffee does uh, does as well. The um so I've got a question for you because this is all fantastic, and uh, I've always loved the idea of a book club. Um, but I've, I've, uh, how do you, if, if an office or somebody's listening to this and says, "Hey, I want to do the book club," how do you do a book club? What what are just the the steps of coming together, reading the book together, setting the discussions? How do you do it? So I'm sure there are many ways to do it, um, but the best way that I found is you have a leader. Find someone, designate a leader, someone who probably loves it more than anyone, and just assign some chapters. Hey, okay. we're going to do this if they're wanting to break it down or if you want to read the whole book. If you have a staff that's like really into it and ready and they can read the whole book and digest that much at one time, read the whole book. Then someone just have some points that you hit on and discuss. Okay. Um, and then, you know, some books have workbooks and those are always great. Keep you thinking and looking deeper into it. But you have to set aside that time and decide when you're going to do it and just stay on 
strict schedule. Get it done. Have someone just to head off the questions, let the group talk. Just one question will turn into 20 and you'll find things that weren't even in the book that can help you grow. Very cool. And that's the biggest power that I've seen in, in reading books. And actually, I like audiobooks because I listen while I'm running and my mind just starts to drift. Um, I may not remember exactly what I, what I heard, but I've got a whole bunch of cool ideas when I come back. So somewhere in there, I was inspired to, to problem solve or think of something. But great. This sounds fantastic. And, uh, and it sounds like it's a, uh, uh, something that an office could easily do, you know, meet once a month during their office meeting and dedicate one of those meetings to, to book club, even if it's just 30 minutes of that, of that meeting. Like yes. Everybody it, on the same page. Mm-hmm. Cool. So are you going to do another book club? Yes. So after we did this book club, um, it the common thing was staffing. So my next book was my end book with Dr. Mike Rothschild's um, book club, and it's the Energy Bus. Oh, very yeah. cool. I Just sitting on the. I'll have to check it out. It's an easy read. Uh, well, easy listen. Uh, you could probably listen to it in a couple runs. I'm a runner too, and that's got me thinking I might want to start listening while I run. Um, but it's super easy. It talks about all the different types of employees that you might have in your office and how to either get them on the bus or kind of the same thing, believe or leave. Um, can't have the energy vampire. So I think a lot of people were super excited to do the energy bus, maybe even more so than the question behind the question. Cool. Well, we'll have to have you back on uh, after the energy bus to, uh, to, to give us another breakdown and summary because this has been fun. Awesome.